0: Welcome to another edition of Back Porch Peligas. I'm your host, Paul Trenworth, and I have a different show lined up for you today, and it's a great show. I'm very excited about it. On this show, I'll be interviewing via telephone from the USA, Jeremy Stevens. and uh, the reason for the interview is he's just got a new album out called How I Hear It. It's a great album. I have thoroughly enjoyed playing it, and I had a great time talking to Jeremy as well. So, um... I suppose you'd call it an in-depth interview because not only did I ask the sort of questions that uh, I thought you would be interested in as listeners, but I asked all the sorts of questions that I was interested in the answers to. And uh, I had a great time talking to Jeremy, and uh, in between times on the interview, we're playing some tracks from the album. I can heartily recommend the album. It comes out on Rebel uh, CD, 1877, and... um, well, you'll hear all about it. So without any further ado, let's kick it off with the opening track of the album. It's an old Don Reno tune called Soccer Eye," and we'll just get straight into that. I'm Paul Trenwith and I'm talking with Jeremy Stevens of the band High Fidelity for Back Porch Bluegrass on Free FM 89.0. High Fidelity has been featured regularly on Back Porch Bluegrass and Jeremy has just issued on Rebel Records a new solo album entitled How I Hear It. So I'm taking this opportunity to find out more about him and his music. Hi Jeremy, welcome to Back Porch Bluegrass.
1: Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for having me on. It's
0: such an honor. Oh, it's, it's a real thrill for me, I tell you. I've got all sorts of questions here, so if you don't want to answer any of them, just say nope, and we'll get on to the next one. <laughs> okay, what inf- <laughs> what influenced you to bring out an album of your own special tastes in music rather than a band project?
1: Well, you know, I, I got connected with Rebel Records about 20 years ago when I was... Uh, 16 17 years old and i did a project with them then uh under my own name jeremy stevens scarlet banjo it's called right and um uh, you know so that was my first and uh only solo project for many years and i had uh you know we'd started uh of course with my connection with with rebel records and all they knew me and high fidelity started performing and they contacted me and uh wanted high fidelity and you know so we we went that direction and they they were they've been just wonderful uh folks to to be involved with Excellent. the Freemans, uh, mark and dave Freeman are, are great folks and uh, you know we had a couple projects with high fidelity under our belts on rebel and uh a project we'd done ourselves prior to that and i just really felt strongly that that i it was time for me to to do something that Uh, Was a solo project myself that would be in conjunction, you know, with with high fidelity and that we could um, feature and sell my albums on on high fidelity shows as well. And that's sort of what led me to this project. And I'd had several things I'd wanted to to do. And and a lot of folks um, in our shows had asked if I had an album, uh, you know, that featured my band you're playing and and that sort of thing. And uh, all of those things sort of collided in my mind. And I said, "I, I need to do this. So uh, it seemed to be the right time. Talked to Mark at uh, at Rebel, and uh, he was excited about it as well. So that's sort of how it uh, came to be.
0: Oh, fantastic! Um, uh, yeah, Karina's got her own fiddle album out, so I suppose you definitely deserved to, at least to have a current uh, one of your own out. Um, you've got fourteen. <laughs> right. You've got fourteen tracks on this new album, and they're all quite special. Um, how long did it take you to collect the tracks that you wanted to record?
1: oh that's that's a tough question because um I always have uh things that i'm thinking about uh, and so little pet songs that I've loved down through the years and many of those we've done in high fidelity and i still had still had some that I still wanted to do and uh so I, you could say a lifetime <laughs> <laughs> might be the answer to that um, but uh you know because they they were already sort of there, but I really um I took probably a couple of years and uh, had a running note in my phone, uh, in my iPhone, of uh, songs for my Bluegrass Solo album. Right. And uh, yes. every time I would think of one, I would uh, type it in there, you know. And I had a pretty lengthy list by the time it uh, we came to uh, be ready to record, and I had to sort of par that down a good bit.
0: Um, yeah, yeah
1: so that, that's how I did it, just yeah, a little bit at a time.
0: Yeah, that was one of my questions: Were there many selections left out that didn't make the final cut?
1: Yeah, that's always the case for just about any record. It yeah. seems um, there were none that were recorded that didn't make it. We 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 released everything that we recorded.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. I love the way that you kept it clean and uncluttered, but with your vocal and instrumental abilities, were you constantly tempted to add more to each track or were the arrangements carefully Um, pre-planned?
1: Well, it's probably some of both. Um, Certain songs I had very specific things that I wanted done on and there were others that I had some temptation to do more, (laughs) I suppose. And uh, Karina, I, I asked her to be a producer on the album to sort of help rein in some of that on me because I I have a tendency to want to put all, all these weird instruments uh, that might be outside of the bluegrass box a little bit. I, I love old time music, and I'm I, I, I always want to incorporate elements from that yeah. um, on uh, on the project. There's a, there, there's some other there's another version of one of the songs that. Uh, uh, it's the same recording, but I, I had actually added a, a a pump organ, a reed organ in oh, the yeah. background. Yes, and, yes. Uh, <laughs> But we we decided not to put that on the uh, on the final album. That was actually on uh, Bells of Saint Mary's. Maybe at some point Rebel will release that as a bonus track or something <laughs> for download.
2: Okay. we t- we
1: talked about doing that. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, it's hard for me now when I even listen to bells of Saint Mary's. I hear the organ <laughs> on it when I'm <laughs> yes. listening to it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so there were things like that. But but most of them, I pretty well had it planned out exactly how I wanted it, um, and and I had to do it that way, really, because uh, I'm playing a lot of the instruments on it. So it, that it had to be planned if I was going to be doing overdubs and things like yes. that. So. Uh, by the time we went in there and tracked them, I, I knew pretty
0: well what was going to be, you know, going down. Okay. Well, I think it's time we ought to play another track from the album. And you can choose it. Uh, what, what, what would you like to choose? I've already played on oh. my radio show, You'll Be Lonesome Too, which is rapidly becoming one of my favorite songs. So we'll... Well, not... that's wonderful. Yeah. What, so pick a track for us. Um, how
1: about Lady Hamilton?
0: Tell, tell us a bit about Lady Hamilton.
1: Yeah, so uh, that song, uh, I first heard it uh, performed by Don Reno on his uh, Golden Guitar album that was um, first released quite a few years after Don's death. They found it, I guess, in the archives at Starday Records, and uh, it was uh, just a project he'd done on a whim when I think Bill Harrell had laryngitis or something like that, and so he did a, a session of guitar tunes. He recorded that on there. He called it Lady Hamlet. I'm assuming because maybe he forgot the actual title was Lady (laughs) Hamilton. Some years later, uh, my friend Robert Montgomery, uh, who plays banjo with David Davis and the Warrior River Boys, he's an avid collector of everything Grand Ole Opry. And uh, he sent me an air check of Tommy Magnus in the 1940s play in Lady Hamilton. And, of course, Tommy Magnus and Darn Reno were associated together in the early 50s and uh played a lot of music together and i I heard that and i thought wow don really retained the melody of that song he had to have learned that from tommy magnus so um on my version here uh karina's playing the fiddle and i had her uh asked her if she would learn the way tommy magnus played it and uh, she's playing the tommy magnus version and I'd been playing it as a mandolin tune and uh, doing some cross-picking on it. Yes. And uh, I knew I had to get a banjo break on there somewhere or another, so sort of uh, one of the last things I had planned on that was how I was going to do my banjo solo, and I got that worked out. We uh, recorded it uh, recorded it live except for um, except for the banjo. I had to overdub banjo on right. that, and yes. uh, I really love it. I, I, I hope... Uh, I hope the folks will enjoy listening to it as
0: well. Here comes Lady Hamilton. That was Lady Hamilton uh, from How I Hear It by Jeremy Stevens. Um, Jeremy, tell me, will High Fidelity learn some of these tracks so you can perform them at your shows? And uh, if so, do you expect them, the band to perform them just as they sound on the album?
1: <laughs> well, we try to do that. Uh, we've already performed a few of them. We've re- we uh, performed Lady Hamilton, actually, uh, we played in San Diego, San Diego, California a few weeks ago, and uh, I played mandolin uh, on stage on that tune. And Kurt Stevenson was there with us. He played the banjo, and sh- he shocked me because uh, I said, "You know, let's try Lady Hamilton." Well, uh, Kurt already knew my banjo solo without us ever talking about doing it. We just <laughs> we just did it, and, and he already knew how I played the solo. Pretty pretty re- really really closely <laughs> and uh, ron shuffler uh ron shuffler the younger brother of george shuffler yes. was actually uh filling in for vicky on and he had my album and he already knew the song too and of course karina did yes. we just uh we run it a few times and we did that on stage it turned out great we've been performing uh, could i knock on your door on a very regular basis and also um uh, two weekends ago, we performed, uh, since wedding bells have rung.
2: Oh, good. And I
1: think those are the only ones. Oh, we've also done I'll Be Happy in My Home. But I can't expect everyone to, to do it exactly as we have it recorded, but, uh, hope that it's, you know, close enough that, uh, it's featuring it enough for people to be interested to, uh, come by the record table and pick one up. And it certainly has worked well that way.
0: Ah, let, seem, seem, you talked about it. Let's play Could I Knock On Your Door Now. Tell us a little bit about that song.
1: This was written by a dear friend of mine, Cecil Hall, uh, who passed uh, from this life just right before I started uh, rehearsing for the album. I hate that uh, he didn't get to hear it, but um, uh, I know he was, I told him I was going to record this song and also uh, That Glorious Day, which his sister wrote, And uh, I know he was glad to know that. And uh, so uh, Cecil had played in the 1970s with Charlie Monroe. Uh, His band, Cecil's band, had sort of backed Charlie. And and Cecil did a bunch of booking for Charlie at that time. And uh, um, I got to know Cecil in the early 2000s and played in his band. And Cecil was a great songwriter and uh, just a really gracious and generous person. And it's... um, a blessing for me to be able to carry some of his music forward. Today. Oh,
0: fantastic. That's a, that's a great that's a great story. Here comes uh Jeremy Stevens and the song Could I knock on your door?
3: again on your door, to search for the love that I'm looking for, losing you was a shame, though we both were to blame, could I knock once again on your door, my love for you I know will never die, makes no difference what I do or how I try, my mind goes back to you again once more. Could I knock once again on your door, could I knock once again on your door, to search for the love that I'm looking for, losing you was a shame, though we both were to blame, could I knock once again on your door. We were always together. It seemed we had plans for the future and our dreams. You were someone that a man could adore. Could I knock once again on your door? Could I knock once again on your door to search for the love that I'm looking for? Losing you was a shame. no we were to blame. Could I knock could I knock once again on Could I not once again
0: That was Could I Knock on Your Door by Jeremy Stevens and the band. I've got some more questions for you, Jeremy. You talk about your Gibson Master Tone, your Bowtie Gibson Master Tone, and your Vega Vox banjo. How do you decide which banjo to play on a particular track?
1: Yeah, so, um, and I, I will add, too, that there's a third banjo on this project, which is Don Reno's um, original uh, five-string flathead uh, RB75. I was very blessed to be able to, to borrow it from Don Wayne uh, Reno to use on the project, as well as uh, Don... Uh, Herringbone uh, Martin, yes. which belongs to Marty Stewart and Marty loaned me that. I'm playing it on, I think three or four songs on the album as well. And, uh, so yeah, to answer your question, um, it comes down to me, um, more about the sound of the banjo, the, the sustain that it has and how I'm playing, um, on a given song as to which one, uh, I choose to play. Or, in the case of Don Reno's banjo, I I wanted to use it on songs that that Don had used it on, of course. So it's on Since Wedding Bells Have Rung. It's on uh, Sockeye. Oh, I used it on That Glorious Day also, which I patterned after uh, some of Reno and Smiley's recordings from the late 1950s. Right.
2: So,
1: um, you know, that's my reasoning for that instrument. My bow tie is my primary banjo. It's the one I'm most comfortable playing it on anything. So it's the primary one used on the album. Uh, the Vega Box, um, I fell in love with Vega Boxes with uh, my mentor, Troy Brammer, who I talk about in the liner notes of the album. He had a Vega Box. He also had a bow tie. Has, I should say, he's still living. Right. And um, there are certain songs that he recorded on... With his Vox, and i 've heard that sound so much, and uh, a couple of those songs I recorded also um the old spinning wheel i'm yes. playing uh, the vagavox song oh
0: yeah
1: i, I can 't think right off the top of my head, some of the others, but that 's definitely a one that i' had had to have that sound on you know
0: yeah so And okay. that,
1: that's sort of some basis of where i where I come from with choosing instruments
0: yeah i've i've got um Uh, a Baldwin Ode from 1969, and which has been my number one banjo all through my playing life. And um, that is just so comfortable to me. And I've also got a a Gibson Mastertone Earl Scruggs from the late 1980s. And it's a lovely banjo, and I like everything about it, except that when the final choice is made, I'll always choose the Baldwin Ode. I understand.
1: You know, it's what you're used to. Yeah,
0: yeah. And those are great banders too. Yeah. Oh, this one has been great Great for me. really enjoyed it. What's the process when you're recording with guest musicians like uh, Hunter Berry uh, in particular? Do you send them a, a rough take of the song and tune and suggest how you'd like it to sound, or do you let them work it out in the studio or at a rehearsal? How do you do it? Um, it
1: depends. You know, I generally I choose the musicians that are naturally going to play how I hear it.
0: <laughs>
1: and, well, that's a uh, good answer, yeah. <laughs> Love right. It. So, and that's really kind of the basis of what this whole album is. And uh, so I very strategically chose the people. Um, so I wanted a Benny Martin flavor on certain songs. And uh, Hunter is sort of the natural choice for that because you know, he was sort of a... Understudy of Benny Martin when he was in his teens, and yes. um, he's been a friend for a long time. And so, um, you know, I, but I, I still, you know, sent him reference recordings and, and sort of told him what I was looking for, but didn't have to guide very much. Um, I wanted to record the instrumentals uh, live as much as possible because yes. I find that my band are playing is, is best in a live setting, I'm more creative. So I, I pulled in uh, David Greer to play rhythm guitar, and uh, David was play. you know, he sort of knows how I, he's heard me play guitar a lot, and he kind of knows yes. the style that I like, and I talked to him about that, and he was very willing to, to sort of play in that direction, and um, he did a wonderful job. I'd thought for a long time about, who should I, who should I get to play rhythm guitar, who should I get, and... Uh, he kept coming to my mind and uh, talked to him, and he was very gracious and willing to uh, uh, to play to the style. You
0: know? Oh, that's
1: that, and the Mike Bub, yeah. Bub's wonderful. Uh, you know, he just kind of goes in there, and what he does is, is generally what I, what I like. He's one of my favorites out there today. And Karina's wonderful. Um, we we love the same stuff, you know.
0: So. Do you try and tell her what to play on fiddle, or does she always? come up with the right i was married well, i was married to a fiddle I, player that's why i ask <laughs>
1: <laughs> well you know i played um Bandur on her uh, not all the tracks but i played banjo on both of her solo albums the one when caught my bike that's her original material and also her um, actually i didn't play on her bluegrass fiddler album i played guitar but I did quite a bit on when caught my bike. And she, I told her, I said, you tell me what you want, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And uh, she told me what she wanted, and it was not easy. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to work so when my record came along, it was my turn
2: <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so we worked it out. She was amazing, she did wonderful. I had some really specific things that I wanted and uh and she was so gracious and willing to to do those things and uh, i'm i'm really happy. She got to do some of her stuff as well, and uh, kind of mixed it all in there
0: yeah oh i i, I just I just love the blend of uh, of uh uh, of you two, let's let's find a song that you're both singing on and uh, play that for everybody, eh? What's Sounds your, great. Um, I'm lonesome. Should we do? Our, I'm lonesome.
1: Oh, uh, you said uh, one that we're both singing on. Is that what you what you said?
0: Yeah, I can't. I just need to look up. Uh, find. Yeah, yeah. I want her singing too.
1: Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, that glorious day is one that um, oh, maybe yes. you hadn't played. It's a gospel song. That's sort of one I really did in the late 50s Reno and Smiley vein, and she's uh, singing all the choruses with me on that
0: one. Let's let's do that one, That Glorious Day. Tell us a, just a little bit about this one.
1: This one was written by Cecil Hall's the youngest sister, Marianne. Performed it with Cecil, and I always really heard it in this Reno and Smiley vein, and uh, I just, it was a great song. I love the message in it, and I uh, wanted to uh, to have a that people hadn't heard and yes. uh, do it in a way that, that, that really fit an older style and uh, that's pretty much the basis of it.
0: It's here that glorious day from Jeremy Stevens from the album How I Hear It
3: I've stood by the grave. Loved one so dear. My heart was breaking, my eyes filled with tears. But the promise of God brought sweet peace to me, for He said in His word, Where I am, there you'll be. On that day, that glorious day, you oh.
2: Dead in Christ
3: shall rise up they They'll join the redeemed that's still here on earth Death cannot stop them, the grave can't hold them down Blessed hope in Jesus who wears the victory crown On that day In Christ shall rise on that day, that glorious day. I'll meet them in. When the Savior says come, I won't have to go alone. For on that day, that glorious day, we'll meet with the Savior forevermore to stay. On that.
0: That was uh, Jeremy Stevens from the album How I Hear It, a gospel song that glorious day. Um, I understand how important CDs are to sell to fans at festivals and live appearances, but in these days of restricted events, where do you find most of your sales come from? Uh, band sales or retail mail-order outlets or online or iTunes? Where do you sell your music?
1: Well, um, I have a website, jeremystevensmusic.com, and that's J E R E M Y S T E P H E N S M U S I C, jeremystevensmusic.com. And, uh, so it can be purchased on there. But actually, about the time my album came out or I had them in hand, uh, we were starting to do some performances here again in the U.S., and, uh, the late summer has proven to be very busy for us, and uh, which we're very grateful for. And it's, uh, everything's been safe. I don't know of anyone that's uh, gotten ill from any of the concerts, which, all of which, uh, save maybe one, have been uh, outdoor events, and uh, those have, have turned out very well for us. So actually, most of our sales this year have been done just the way they have been in the past, um, at the record table at uh, at
0: festivals and such. Oh, that's good that's good news. It's always a challenge these days. I I find that I'm something of a uh, an old timer by choosing to use CDs and my vinyl albums for my radio show rather than going online and just downloading stuff and i just like to have the product in my hand and look at it and and see the pictures and read every word on it and so i love the covers of albums as well as the music on them and uh, so i'm an old timer so there's still a few of us left
1: oh I, i'm one uh, right along with you i've got uh, several thousand lps 78 78-
0: and uh 45 <laughs> oh, great <laughs> yeah yeah you find i've i've got kids who uh, are probably about your age and they all play music and i, th- I don't think they even own cd players anymore uh because there's such old technology right. oh it's terrible i've just purchased and received the donna and ronnie Stoneman cd the legend continues on which you and karina are support musicians do you often play as session musicians um, not a whole lot though
1: we do um, occasionally, and um we've been very blessed uh, to be uh, friends with the stonemans and uh, i uh and Tom minty who at uh, Patuxent uh, Records, who uh, put that album out actually and uh, so Tom has used me quite a bit, and we do do sessions in and around Nashville at different times for different folks um, but it's not that primary we'd love to be doing it more of course yeah. it's been it's been an honor i've i have uh myself played on the last three projects that the stonemans have done and uh it's just been uh, a real blessing to be around those ladies they're just uh, wonderful,
0: wonderful people. I saw the Stoneman's in 1971 uh, when I was in the USA and uh, we were staying with Mike Seeger and he took us to see them and it was playing outside at a sort of fair day at, at, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, I think it was, and they were playing on the on an outdoor stage and I remember watching them and just being very impressed with their playing and I, at that time I hadn't realised what part of the dynasty of the Stoneman families they were and how important they were to bluegrass music. So it's a real privilege oh, just yes. to catch their show. Uh, let, yeah. Let's pick another tune to play, Jeremy. Um, Beautiful Blue Eyes is a great song. I, I knew that as a real old-time song, way back before I even played bluegrass yes. music.
1: Right, uh, yeah. So I I, uh, I pulled in a uh, friend, uh, Danny Davis, into uh on this one, we actually this is the only song that we recorded quite a bit uh before I actually did the sessions for the album, so this is the first one I had in mind and okay. uh put a, together a little session back in twenty seventeen actually and recorded this and um I just kind of held on to it the last few years and uh, Danny he's a great singer from uh, Grayson Kentucky, and he's sort of from that uh i guess he was raised maybe in the region of ohio where um uh, a lot of the folks from kentucky moved up there to work in the steel mills and that sort of thing yeah. and um joe mullins has a project called industrial strength bluegrass out right now and there's a book as well that talks about that whole region and uh, danny is is from that and um, a great singer sort of sings in the style of red allen and uh, red allen had recorded this song about 1960 and he had don reno playing get uh, banjo rather oh, yeah. and uh, um, on it for Stardate Records and boy I always loved that cut so I uh, was really thrilled to be able to sort of do my version of it with, uh, with Danny Davis.
0: Oh well, let, let's hear it. Um, here comes uh, Jeremy Stevens from the album How I Hear It with Beautiful Blue Eyes.
4: Beautiful blue eyes Beautiful, beautiful blue eyes Beautiful, beautiful blue eyes I'll never have brown eyes again Darling, my darling, I love you I love you Beautiful, beautiful blue eyes, beautiful, beautiful blue eyes, beautiful, beautiful, blue eyes He staggers, he fell down by the door And the very last words that he uttered love's never get drunk anymore Beautiful, beautiful blue eyes Beautiful, beautiful blue eyes Beautiful, beautiful blue eyes, beautiful, beautiful blue eyes. It's just not the same since you've gone, In dreams your arms are about me, it's so hard to face each dog. Beautiful, beautiful blue eyes, beautiful, beautiful blue eyes, beautiful, beautiful.
0: Your your liking for Reno and Smiley is really interesting because they were a really big influence on my music in the early days. And uh, I think I mentioned that uh, we recorded back in 1968, I think it was, um, Barefoot Nelly and Never Get to Hold You in My Arms Anymore. And uh, we loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I tried to do Don Reno's double banjo style, and that never get to hold you. Uh, and picking, and uh, we we just really loved the way they sang and played together. And I was fortunate enough to see both of them in 1971 at um, Livonia, Georgia. They were. Don had been playing with Bill Harrell, but uh, Red came back for a couple of years, sort of 1969, 70, 71, and, and was playing with them. So I saw Don Reno, Bill Harrell, and Red Smiley uh, playing together, and I was, I was just really thrilled that I had that opportunity. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. You get great moments in bluegrass music, don't you? <laughs> yes.
1: Yes,
2: indeed.
0: Um, I've got all sorts of other questions, but I, I won't keep you talking too long. I just These are a bit independent. Um, How do you choose a program from your huge recorded repertoire for a set? Do you always try and include requests, or do you write the set out first, or just pull them out of your head as you're going? You
1: know, um, Karina writes all of our sets, and uh, on rare occasion she, uh, myself or, or, or Kurt Stevenson have, have written a set, but mostly it's Karina writing all the sets. And, uh, if we, if there, uh, sometimes we'll have songs that could be swapped out for requests and that sort of thing, but generally the sets are pretty well written out and we go by them. Um, but inevitably, you know, after we do the first set of the show, somebody has a request and, uh, very often we'll try to accommodate those and work those into the to the second set but that that's about it you know it we uh, I'm not one of those people that can just get up there and uh, and go from one song to the next off the top of my head if I did that it would be a disaster <laughs> <laughs> but I've worked for people in the past that have done that in fact the guys that I played with growing up in a band called Shallow Creek um from when we were uh, ten years old until I moved to Nashville, when uh, and we were still playing together, and I was in my uh, mid twenties, uh, we never once had a set list. And, and Mark no. Hudson, who was the guitar player and the lead singer, he always came up with them off off the cuff, and they were always good sets. And I, I never could do that, but uh, so I'm, I'm grateful to have Karina write the. Yeah.
0: The wonderful sets that she does. Oh, great. Well, I'm with you on that. I, I, I definitely agree with that. Okay, a couple of other questions here. Do you have interests outside of music, sport, business, hobbies? Um.
1: Yeah, I always uh, am interested in something. Uh, it seems to change. It's sort of the constant in my life is, is definitely music and things relating to music. Uh, so I collect records and I collect instruments and uh, vintage instruments. That is, and uh, but I guess some of the more recent things that have been of interest to me is I, I've been in, interested in collecting cast iron cookware. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I purchase uh, old cast iron skillets and such at oh, wow. uh, yard sales or, or uh, uh, thrift stores and and different kinds of things like that flea markets and such and uh take them home and clean them up and re them and uh wow and I actually sell them at our shows a good bit so that oh. that's kind of been a hobby for me of late
0: yeah do you are, you are you a good cook
1: i i do uh most of our cooking actually and uh, i don't i wouldn't claim to be a, a very good cook but uh but i enjoy it and Karina seems to like it too so uh it works out quite well, and in, in fact, right before um, our, uh, our our phone call here, I had uh, made a uh, a batch of uh, mango basil stir fry uh, with uh, Thai rice noodles so i right. will be looking forward to getting into that here <laughs> just a little bit later
0: so. oh that, that's, that's what it's what it's, uh, it's just late at night um, or getting into the middle part of the night um, in the USA wise uh, what where is it? Here it's... I'm in the afternoon the next day. Thursday is looking good. I'm telling you that now. That's advance warning for okay. you. Okay. <laughs> okay,
1: glad to know it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: uh, it's interesting. The, the Alan Rhodes, the guitarist and lead singer in my Hamilton County Bluegrass band, he loves cooking too, and he does all the cooking in the family. I'm a terrible cook, but I, as I live by myself, I have to eat my own cooking, so it's not worth complaining because it's never going to get any better. Um, uh. <laughs> do you, do, do you listen to other performers and note what they're doing musically?
1: You know, generally, um, we try to be aware of that because, especially when we're planning uh, a new record. Uh, so, that same goes for me with this solo album, the same goes for our high fidelity albums or any album that we do. Uh, we sort of make sure we're kind of aware of what other groups in Bluegrass are uh, doing have recently recorded um or ever recorded because we usually really try to do songs especially if we're choosing old material which we generally do with high fidelity and i would generally do very often myself except for these couple of new songs yes uh we try to do things that have not been done so that they're fresh yes and um so we usually scour the internet and uh uh the different uh, music websites and uh, and platforms to make sure that uh Nothing that we're planning to record has, has been done in, in recent years.
0: Uh, I need to ask you about uh, High Fidelity at present. I know Vicky Vaughan has left, or or, or she's playing with um, Della May, So does that mean you have a different bass player now?
1: Oh, no. No, Vicky's still very much a part of High Fidelity. Uh, we have the same members that we've had all along. Oh, Fantastic. Uh, we have a, maybe a little bit different business model than a lot of groups. You know, we've always valued being able to, uh, have diversity in, 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 in music. So, um, and, and for us, for us, that means being able to do other things other than just high fidelity. Yes. So, uh, and Vicki, she's, a, she's a hard worker and, uh, she enjoys being able to go out there and play as much as she possibly can. And, uh, and, you know, as much as possible, we we try to coordinate uh, our calendars so that uh, Vicky's able to be there for all of our dates, as well as Dela dates and anyone else she's playing with. It's been tough this year because of uh, dates being carried over from last year, and they've fallen on different weekends. There's been some conflicts where, um, you know, Vicky wasn't able to, to be there, and and same for all of us. We've had conflicts uh, due to those issues. Yes. Uh, amongst all of us, so uh, that's just sort of the hardships of, of a year that kind of went missing uh, yes. that uh, was carried over.
0: But it's o- it's opening up for you now, is it?
1: It is, yes, and, and dates are, are coming in quite a bit for next year as well. I've been checking our calendar for next year, and it looks like we've got a lot of dates uh, kind of spread throughout the year, so we're excited about that.
0: Well, we're just gonna to have to try and fit New Zealand in there somewhere, Jeremy, and I'll be I'll be at the band. I'll I'll drive you around. Um, <laughs> I'll be your roadie, except you might have to get someone else to do all the hard work. Um, I don't think <laughs>
1: sounds I, I wanna get some of that grass fed milk and grass fed beef that y'all have over there in New Zealand. Oh so.
0: uh, yeah, we, we, we do that stuff pretty well. Yeah. Well, I've been talking with uh, Jeremy Stevens and uh Featuring his new album, How I Hear It, and it's just been an absolute privilege uh, talking to him. We better finish up with a a tune. Oh, we've listed a whole lot of them. Which one should should we? Uh,
1: Yeah, we could do um, Yes, Sir, That's My Baby. Uh, That's sort of my solo solo Banjo feature that I just kind of did my thing on. And uh, uh, I've done that one quite a bit, performed it in contests, and uh, it's been a good tune for me in, uh, in that way, and I just wanted to uh, be sure I got it on the album. It's one that I very often feature uh, on stage as well on our shows.
0: Oh, well that, that's a good one to do. Um, in these days, there's no such thing as a local radio show, so even though this show is made in Hamilton, New Zealand, which seems to you to be a very long, long way away, um, it goes out on several different stations in New Zealand, it goes out on several stations in Canada, Um, it goes out on Bluegrass Planet Radio in the USA, but it's a podcast as well, and I think I get most of my uh, listenership from people tuning in on podcasts, and I get lots of letters from people in the USA who say they uh, enjoy the music that I play and um, uh, just the way I do my shows. So, Hopefully, there'll be people out there that will be listening to this interview and say, we must make a point of going to see High Fidelity at a concert soon. And we'll talk to Jeremy and, uh, and say what a nice interview it was. So uh, we're not totally removed from the USA in your home scene. So I hope that's good news for you.
1: Oh, most definitely. And, and for folks that want to come and see us, uh, see High Fidelity, uh, you can see our schedule at highfidelitybluegrass.com. Uh, You can purchase High Fidelity's records also there at uh, highfidelitybluegrass.com. My record can be purchased at my website, jeremystevensmusic.com as well.
0: Well, that all sounds very good. I have been absolutely delighted to talk to you, Jeremy. It's been a real uh, thrill for me, and I'm sure it's uh, made real good listening for my listeners. So let's go out with, yes, sir, that's my baby, Jeremy Stevens. hope you all enjoyed that. I certainly enjoyed talking to Jeremy and uh, finding out just how he goes about uh, putting together an album, I suppose, and, and putting together all the music on the album. Oh, let's have a, a big hello to all the people listening on podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in to Back Porch Pluger. I really uh, appreciate the fact that you take the trouble to tune in, and I hope you enjoy the music that we play on it. Um, it's not often that I get to do an interview like this. Most of the time I'm just, uh, playing regular bluegrass music from my shelves. And, uh, I've often featured the band High Fidelity. And it was great that, uh, Jeremy consented to an interview, uh, to go with his new album. How I Hear It is the name of the album. Uh, so, big welcome to those listening on Access Radio stations throughout New Zealand, too. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, we're currently at different levels of lockdown. The city of Auckland uh, is in sort of the most severe level of lockdown, so there's not much happening up there, uh, and we really feel for you. Uh, further south in Hamilton and in the rest of New Zealand, we're in level two lockdown, which means we're almost at normal life, but there's a lot of restrictions, and we can 't have crowds and that sort of thing, so we don 't have concerts so there 's a frustration there um I'm going to play another track from the album because I really enjoyed this particular one too and uh, we're getting close to the end of the show. Let's um, hear I'll Be Happy In My Home. This is featuring Paul Brewster singing lead and uh, the good thing about it is the song was co-written by Bud and Willie Brewster. Willie Brewster is Paul's dad and they performed it um, so many years ago and it's great that Jeremy selected Paul to sing on this. Let's have a listen to it.
3: Golden mansions by a million Angels singing round the throne I'll live there for endless ages I'll be happy in my home Jesus saved me He heard my meek and humble prayer Was then the time I had a vision And this is what I saw up there Golden mansions by the million Angels singing round the throne I'll live there for endless ages I'll be happy in my home heaven, I saw Jesus first of all, and then I went to meet my loved ones, and this is part of what I saw, golden mansions by the millions, angels singing round the throne, I'll live there for endless ages, I'll be happy in my home.
0: Well, thanks very much for tuning into Back Porch Bluegrass. I really appreciate the fact that you listened in. And uh, next time, we'll probably just have a more normal type show. Uh, and we might even get to play uh, another Jeremy Stevens tune. See you later. Bye. I'll,
3: live there for ages. I'll be happy in my home.